0: Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walking it Fire!
1: Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Broken sesame! Commander Klingon vessel, we are energizing transport of evil, now. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Trek from the Holodeck. I am Michael, your captain. The captain of the USS Rainman Digital and in the studio or on the bridge with me is Incin. Incin David. Hello, David. Sweet. I could be considered part of the lower
0: deck crew.
1: Yeah, you're <laughs> definitely a lower tech a lower decks type. Do you take that as uh, as, an, as an insult? Absolutely not. I am happy to be part of the Lower Decks crew. Listen, if Tendy was part of that crew, I will I'll definitely join the Lower Decks. I would be Ransom,
0: like for sure. You'd be
1: Ransom. Like, What's up,
0: Tendy? What's up, Mariner? Go away, Boimler. <laughs> See, I, I embrace it. I think I truly am Boimler. No, you are. <laughs> And I am too, but I'm just going to pretend I'm not.
1: (laughs) All right. So I want to welcome everyone to our very special Star Trek from the Holodeck broadcast where we are celebrating Star Trek Day. Yesterday was Star Trek Day, which marked 55 years of Star Trek. And to celebrate, David and I have decided to walk everyone through the latest details a lot of announcements that took place during Star Trek Day, and of course, we're going to sprinkle that with our own commentary. And probably, in all actuality, David, we'll only get
0: through two topics because we talk too much. <laughs> Once we get started on one thing, it kind of blows up after that. And I swear to God, we are not going to focus on
1: Picard. Okay, on the negative. Please no. Please, we're not. Please no. We'll be positive, positive. There's lots to be happy about. I mean, Jesus, oh, yeah. Star Trek has never been as big as it is. As big as it is right now. I mean, we, have we had... At most, we had two Star Trek shows running at one point. We had TNG running alongside Deep Space Nine. And then TNG ended. And then we had Deep Space Nine run alongside Voyager. Voyager. But we have Discovery. We have Picard. We have Lower Decks. We have Prodigy. And we have Strange New World. Strange New World's coming. And, and then we also have uh, a rumored, out of Kurtzman's mouth himself... A Starfleet Academy series that's potentially in the works.
0: Yeah. And imagine that I would never back then. A lot of people thought it was crazy thinking about three Star Trek series running concurrently with each other, with TNG deep space nine and Voyager here. We're getting like six. It's insane. It's insane. It's and crazy. You're right. On, on the one point after watching Star Trek day, Live, I've I fully have told myself I am not gonna let Picard ruin Star Trek. David don't don't even go there. Yeah. Because there's so much the whole day started off really well with what we've saw with Prodigy and Lower Decks and then Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds just I have never been hyped more now than any other Star Trek show than Strange New Worlds. Because of what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. At this point.
1: There's a lot to be happy about
0: for sure. And we're getting to that point
1: where. Star, and I, this is something I've always said. Star Trek can be many things. And I feel like. And I'm going to include myself in this. I try to be ob- objective. But it, it's hard to be objective. When you've dedicated most of your life. To Star Trek as a fan. You know as far back as I can remember. I watched Star Trek. My, my, my very first memories of watching TV with my mother was watching the original series, the reruns. So it is hard to be objective, but I try and it is important to remember that Star Trek can be different things. It doesn't always have to be the yeah. same thing. And I am 100% on board with that. The only time I draw the line is with lazy writing. That's the only time where I'm just like, ah, I, 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 I can't, you know, I can't hold back. I have to say something. But now that we have so much Star Trek, I don't know if I want to focus on things that I may not like. And I think in the future, what I may do, if there's something that I just can't get behind because the writing is a little flawed, uh, it could be better. I think I'm just going to walk away. Yeah. I think I'm going to walk away from that series because there are four other series.
0: Yeah, there's f- there's so many other things we can focus, focus in on then. The hate of one series. Yeah, and, uh,
1: add, and add to the aggression on social media that everyone has, or well, not everyone, a lot of a people lot. have towards what they call New Trek, which, come on, guys, be a little, if you're going to insult something, be a little more clever.
0: Well, especially they since they
1: hashtag it New Trek, like in you.
0: Track. Well, especially since you know you're that's not clever, Dave. That, that not no. very. It's not very imaginative. No, <laughs> but like the the thing that I notice is a lot of people because of one show they automatically say everything sucks, and I'm like going, no, there's other things in the in the franchise that we can all like. It's it's similar to like comic books. It's similar to like other franchises out there that have multiple shows or multiple movies that we can all point to and say hey you know I I really like that I'm not a big fan of that but you know we'll accept it for right now yeah absolutely I agree
1: there's too many good things going on to get caught up in, in in the negative so all right without further ado let's get into this number one I want to say Star Trek Day was a blessing for Star Trek fans but a quick review of the overall event yeah we should. As a Star Trek fan, it was, I loved it. I just liked the idea that you could open up the app on CB, uh, not CBS, on Paramount Plus, and right there is the live feed yes. for Star Trek Day. You go to Twitch, and guess what was the featured program on Twitch? Star, Star Trek, Trek Day. Day's live feed. You go online and look what's being promoted through numerous sponsors, Star Trek Day's live feed. You go to Facebook, Multiple live feeds. That is awesome. You go to YouTube, multiple feeds for Star Trek Day. What time in history has there ever been, Dave, except right now, where you had access to Star Trek in that capacity? Never. 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 So that's the beautiful thing about technology and the the, the time that we're in when it comes to streaming. So that was exciting. I liked it. Now, when it came down to the professionalism, I want to say the quality of Star Trek Day, there were some issues as a broadcaster. I'm speaking. I'm surprised that they hire people who, number one, can't speak very well. Number two, uh, don't know Star Trek at all. Yes. That baffles me. Why do you hire people for your red carpet interviewing people that they don't know? The very idea of interviewing is you have to know a bit about the person in order to ask the right questions. Especially when
0: they openly, openly actually said, I haven't watched the series. Yeah. And it's like. Why are you here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, are <you> doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? At least lie to me. At least lie. I'm, you you know, lie. I'm used to women lying to me. Just lie. Just lie. Tell me just, it feels good. Just tell us that basically you like the series and that be done with it. The worst thing you can do is basically say, I've never watched this before, but I'm here anyhow.
1: Yeah. I will Why? say, and I don't know her name, the, the young woman wearing yellow during the red carpet. I apologize. I forgot her name. She was actually uh, the host of the ready room two years ago that got canceled. Yes. The ready room was really bad because she didn't know anything about Star Trek. But I will say she has schooled herself because she knows way more than she did two years ago. So she took an active interest in finding out about the franchise she is working within. So my hats off to her. But the other young lady they hired, I mean, why are you there? You didn't even know Star <laughs> exactly. Trek. It's, it's, it's very strange that you hire people that way. Um, also, the, the broadcast went over about an hour. Uh, Patrick Stewart didn't show up, but yes. they didn't tell anyone until the last minute because I have a feeling a lot of people were hanging on for that last panel because of Patrick Stewart. But I will say, Dave, it made the 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 news a little easier to digest. Because yeah. who delivered that? The
0: There's wonderful Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan. My lord, how old is she, David? She, the fountain of youth. She must have access to. She's fountain like of fifty
1: youth. some years old and just completely yes. just dazzles. She's a true starlet. She is. Yeah, she's the classic Hollywood
0: almost actress. bombshell. Yeah, she well, she's yeah. almost like one of those classic Hollywood have, bombshells.
1: Yeah, well, bombshell or classic classic thespie. Yes. From the 1930s, 40s era. So, that being said, let's move into the news, okay? So, we are going to try to get through as much as possible within this opening hour here. And we have about 45, 48 minutes left. And whatever we can't get through, we will continue on a Patreon-exclusive show. So without doing what Star Trek Day did to people, we're not going to wait to get to the biggest news. We are going to talk about it now. Exactly right now. Yeah. Get it out of the way. The final panel that didn't happen. But we did get the trailer for Star Trek Picard season two. Yes. Now, Dave, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it at the time of watching the trailer. I will say I am intrigued more than I was with the teaser with the teaser. It just aggravated me because it was time travel again and it felt like first contact meets encounter a far point. Yes. Meets all good things. I'm like, well, you're doing an entire series based on uh, inspirations from first contact and the pilot and the finale of TNG. This new trailer still definitely reminds me of that, but there seems to be a lot more to it than simply time travel. There are Borg elements, which we knew because of the announcement that Annie Wershing was cast as the Borg queen. Yes. So it seems like, the series is a lot more multi-layered than the teaser as well as season one was in my opinion.
0: Oh, by far, by far, because there's a lot of elements going on in this, apparently this season than there was in season one, because season one, the layer, the, the story thorough line was the story of data and Picard. But I mean, that's pretty much it. With the teaser, with the trailer that they released, you kind of get a sense that we're going to get more of a story between about uh, the relationship between Q and Picard. We're going to deal with Picard's, I guess we're going to go back and try to further establish Picard, the, the importance of Picard's legacy. Because of what Q does. well, If they're
1: using Q properly. Then those are the types of things. They will do. For example you can't bring Q in. Unless you're going to have a very strong. Philosophical statement. Yes, That is what Q has always been used. For in every single. Episode of Star Trek. Of the next generation. Deep Space Nine was kind of a cameo. To help that series. It was kind of useless. But in TNG. Q was used to pose philosophical questions that at the end of the day was all about Picard. Picard was all about Picard and how he would move forward and what lessons he would learn.
0: And that's why it makes sense to me if the if the trailer actually just gave us a, a huge spoiler of the of the plot line of Picard is Q getting angry at Picard and changing history to show Picard the importance of his his legacy, importance of him. I like how you say upset because I noticed that uh, we've never seen a Q that looked malevolent or upset. Upset, and you can tell that basically when Picard basically says it wasn't like, it, and when I look back at it, it wasn't you know Picard yelling at Q just angrily. It was Picard yelling at Q that he's not happy with himself, that he's too old. And then the look on Q's face when Picard just says that he's too old for this, Picard Q looks like he gets pretty upset about
1: it. Well, we also don't know. We know how editing goes when it comes to trailers, so we don't even know if that reaction
0: is necessarily yes. to Picard because of Picard's statement. But if that is, if that is the connection there, I, I actually like that because it shows that personal relationship between Q and Picard and Q kind of like Really, when you get to the uh, the all good things storyline, Q leaves that basically hoping Picard learns a lesson that basically he earned this point to go out to the stars, and he's earned it. And when by the end of it, it's almost like this triumphant feeling, even even for Q, and. You get to this point, and all of a sudden you have Picard saying that he's too old, that he, time's passed him by. Basically, he's not—he's a shell of, a, of the man that he was. So are you
1: saying that you think Q is showing up at his doorstep because of the way Picard feels about himself? Yes. And perhaps the way he has lived his life in his twilight years? Because if that's the case, yeah, if the reason why Q shows up and he's disappointed, because his face is upset, and he's never been upset necessarily no he plays into it he's very satirical he overacts purposely that's his personality but he's never been outright angry and it, and in this trailer he looks mad and like he's doing something to punish Picard and i'm wondering if it has to do with the fact that hey listen i left you on a good note you proved yourself you proved yourself to be the beacon of humanity and yet look what you've done over the last you know 15, 20 years, it's time that you get a little reminder and a lesson. And if that's the case, if
0: that's how they're using Q, then I'm on board. Exactly. And that's why I said, it took me a while to actually kind of get over the initial shock of the trailer. And after I watched it multiple times and you see the little details and you're, I'm like going, well, if they do this, what I think they're doing with Q, I'm I'm on board with it because it shows that personal attachment yeah. that he has to
1: Picard. That's what it's always been about, Dave. Now there are some questions pertaining to Star Trek canon continuity that has me a bit concerned because I'm not quite sure where he's going. They said the twenty first century, yes. I believe in the trailers where they were sent. The twenty first century, first off then it looked like in the trailer that the twenty first century that they were in looked a lot like our twenty first century. Yes. Which has me confused because I believe it was stated in the the original series, Star Trek, that World War Three took pla or a world war took place in the nineties. Yes. In the nineties. So if a world war took place in the nineties and then the atomic era with the atomic wars, I believe is what they were called, which actually was mentioned in Encounter at Farpoint. That took place in the 21st century. And in Enterprise. Right. So, exactly. So, we have to believe that this 21st century is not even part of the same timeline. Now, Q is the right person to use if you want to send them to a version of the 21st century that's not necessarily their timeline. Yeah. Then that would make sense. But that they're going to have sense. to explain that. And they can't take the approach that they did last year with, or last season with Mike Shaban's uh, idea that he didn't want to get into the weeds with Star Trek and explain things. No, they and, have and, to get into the weeds. Yes. And I, I was okay with that idea. If, because I remember saying that's a good idea that Mike Shaban did that. Like, let's not get into the weeds because let's be honest, most people uh, that watch TNG, I don't want to say most people. Um, TNG has a very specific audience and a lot of TNG fans us included have watched other Star Trek throughout the years but there are people who have only watched TNG the mainstream for the most part those big people who are the people that actually go to the big movies I should say for the most part they know Picard just like they know Captain Kirk Yes, and they know Spock they know Data they know Picard so I understand that in Picard season 1 you had to stay away from some of those elements that required watching of other treks for you to fully understand and grasp things. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean you can't explain things quickly so that new audiences can understand and that you can also keep continuity intact. And if you're dealing with time travel and the fact that seven of nine is no longer a Borg and you're bringing in the Borg queen and you're going to the 21st century and using Q and you're doing all these different things, you're going to have to take your time. You're going to have to take your time and you're, you're going to have to get into the weeds a little bit. Yes. Otherwise, you run the risk of derailing all the other Star Trek shows that have come before.
0: Yeah, especially the element that basically had me intrigued was the fact that Q apparently puts Picard at first in a alternate timeline because they see the Federation for some strange reason as dressed more totalitarian. Uh, almost mirror universe like just but not as barbaric didn't it look like encounter a 4 point aesthetics
1: kind where of where picard was standing it's all that's what it looked like to me
0: yeah and uh, he he basically made the future of the federation more mirror universe ish Mirror universe, it's not the actual mirror universe because yeah. by far that did not look like the mirror universe. No. There was no indication that it was like the Terran Empire. Right. We basically just saw an alternate universe where the Federation is more totalitarian. They're more dictatorship type.
1: Okay, so do you think, I'm trying to follow your thoughts here because I like them. So do you think they are going to actually send them and, Back in time, or do you think he's sending him to an alternate timeline
0: i'm I'm guessing that he sends him back into an alternate time because that's the only way it'll work dave. That's the only way it will work, and honestly, that is the type of thing that Q would do. He wouldn't affect you know time itself. he wouldn't send them back in time no he would send well, Picard, him
1: don't even they don't they won't allow it,
0: it. Yeah. and like instead, he would show Picard hey fine. If this is how you feel, then I'm going to show you an alternate timeline where you're like this and oh, see, everything sucks. That is good. And basically it's like, I'm hoping that the storyline after the trailer is Q not, and there's a lot of people thinking that Q's like the big bad villain, yada, yada, yada. He's not a villain. He's not a villain. He's never been a villain. What I'm hoping is basically Q is there to smack Picard in the face to wake him up. He's the lesson. And he's the lesson. Yes. And like, or the teacher. Because like that would make complete sense for that character of Q. He's not there to be mean or malevolent. He's there to actually kind of smack you in the face and say, hey, this is this is your potential. Yeah. It, don't prove us. Don't prove me wrong. Now, Dave, the thing is, is the reason
1: why I like your ideas is because that's the only way in my opinion would work. Now you can get really convoluted and do things with Q that fixes things but that would just be I mean very silly and convoluted, hacky as when it comes to writing because if they go into, let's say they go back in time okay, this was the first problem I had. This is why when that teaser was released last month I Uh rolled my eyes on Facebook. I put a little like sigh and roll your eyes emoji with the teaser because they've already established In the Kurtzman era, mind you, which was not even a year ago, on Discovery, that when you go back in time, you create an incursion. Yes. And there's no, technically, there's no coming back. If you do anything, you create a time incursion. And you create a split. Yes. So, that being said, let's say Q sends them back in time. And it changes. Then they create a time incursion. And the effect, the timeline that can't be repaired because you create a split. Yes. So the only way this is going to work is if Q does send them back in time or he changes time, let's say, whatever it may be. Yes. And it's a completely different timeline for
0: whatever lesson.
1: Or it's a completely different use of... And I hate saying this out loud because even that sounds convoluted.
0: It sounds convoluted, but it's the safest bet you can do because like... If you were to send them back completely in time, it ruins a lot of what was set up. And it makes literally Star Trek, if they did that, yeah, what would happen is they'd run into the Terminator complex.
1: Well, you know, where,
0: seven and nine is Sarah Connor. You
1: know, so that would <laughs> actually work. Much.
0: But like they would they would literally destroy any sensibility of time and function, much like how people view t- Terminator now the franchise so the way I fi- the way I figure is like Q to Picard to Picard the character he's he, he sees it and he thinks that Q sent them back in time and changed something in time but Q is such an omnipotent power that he he can do whatever he wants at a snap of a finger right he can make it look like it's time travel. I know. And and that's why it gets convoluted. You have to And
1: it, and you have
0: to be careful. Yeah.
1: I mean, even uh, I think we're getting David caught up on time travel because honestly, if you really break down the trailer, it doesn't seem like Q sends him back in time. It seems like Q messes the timeline up and then Picard chooses to use a Borg Queen, Borg technology to go back in time to to try to fix things. That's what I think they send themselves back in time to fix what
0: Q did. And what makes sense, too, because, like, I mean, remember at the the whole point of um, First Contact was the fact that the Borg figured out how to actually go back in time. Yeah. Which was absolutely ungodly, scary, dangerous. Yeah.
1: All right. So the trailer also revealed that season two will premiere in February 2022, which means we are getting nonstop Star Trek for the next almost six months. Yes. Because we have Discovery. No, take that back. We have Lower Decks currently. We have Prodigy, we have Discovery, and we have Picard all running into each other. So we're going to have a very busy... Five or six months here talking Star Trek. So February 2022 is the official release date for Picard season two in the U.S. And last night, even though it was already talked about in other at other conventions, season three has been officially greenlit. But we already knew this because John Delancey let it slip, <laughs> it on, slip. A, on a Zoom conference that they're shooting season two and three back to back. back to back. So now we have an official statement. Which I do like that, I, and I believe I said this on, a, on a, a recent show, I do like that they're shooting back-to-back, because that means that there's going to be some very tight continuity. There's going to be some type, tight consistency. And the fact that they are, they're shooting two seasons back-to-back tells me they have two seasons planned. Because planned. we know from Shaban's mouth himself, last season's showrunner, that he didn't know what the series was going to be, Until after five episodes. No. What was that? I have
0: no idea.
1: (laughs) You know what? We got to go to a quick break. Hold on. We're having massive uh, tech problems. And when I mean tech problems, I mean um, talking. We'll be right back. uh, If you're on Twitch, there's going to be some muted audio because I can't play music on Twitch. We'll be right back in about three minutes.
0: Yeah. Space, a final frontier. Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open
1: sesame. So that he can be with Sakul. Sukal. Sukal. I don't give a fuck what his name is. So he can be with Sakul on Kavadar. I hate the character, David, so I'm not going to say his name right. Fuck that guy.
0: This person that basically is an adult, he's a traumatized person. Yes. He's been with holograms, Mike. Why is he basically treated like he's mentally you disabled? mama m- make me happy. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> why?
1: They said it last episode. Will he act like a child? Why? He's been around holograms. He's been around holograms all his life. What, were the holograms only children with the with a fifth grade reading level? Why well, is talk like this? You. First off... <laughs> Why does he talk like he's deaf? <laughs> Number one. <laughs> he's not deaf. That
0: was my main that was my main. None
1: problem. of it, dude, it did none of it makes the whole Sukhol so cool stuff, to call stuff makes sense to me.
0: And then in doing in putting Saru in that storyline made none of Saru's choices make sense either.
1: Listen, Dave, people may say, well, now you guys are just being nitpicky. And listen, this is what happens when you drop the ball. Yeah. The the floodgates are released. If, if you had written three concise episodes in a row, I wouldn't even be talking about
0: Lou ferrigno Exactly. It's death by a thousand cuts.
1: Star Trek from the holodeck, exclusively on Rainman Digital. Head over to RainManDigitalMedia.com or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. End simulation. All right, we're back. All right. Uh, the studio dog was acting up. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next, the next bit of news here.
0: Which one is the question?
1: All right, so let's talk about Star Trek Prodigy. Okay. I I, was, I didn't know what to expect. To be completely honest, I didn't know what to expect from that series, like what we were going to get, what it was going to be. When it was first announced, I want to say almost two years ago, that it was going to be before we even had a name, before we knew what it was going to be about. They said that they're going to be releasing. I think it was longer than two years ago. Yes, they said that they're, there's going to be a kids' cartoon that is going to air specifically on Nickelodeon. And I kind of said, "Oh, that's kind of cool. It'll be a nice way to get the younger generation involved." But I automatically shrugged it off and said, "Well, that's not going to be something I watch." Then they decide, "Well, let's make this something that kids can enjoy that is less." Kitty in design and we will just keep it from a, we'll, we'll write the show within a kid's perspective,
0: kid's perspective. That's different.
1: Yes. But we're going to make sure this show appeals to people of all ages. Then it got interesting. And now after seeing that trailer, my God, dude, that trailer, it was
0: gorgeous. Dude. I'm, I have been after, after Star Trek day, after seeing the trailer and the teaser beforehand, this arguably is one of my most anticipated and yes star- strange new worlds is fantastic. I'm really excited for that, but prodigy is actually my most anticipated series. I think it's because it's something wholly different well dude, this could honestly honestly be the answer to one of the things that many fans have been saying when you compare. Star Trek and Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Star Wars has Clone Wars. Star Trek doesn't have that. This is their answer. I honestly feel that Prodigy is trying, they're trying to make a series that could be their answer to, let's not even say Clone Wars, Mm -hmm. their answer to Rebels. Because people that don't know there might be people out there don't know what this is yeah you have to explain
1: what star so star wars
0: rebels star wars rebels was their most success one of their most successful star wars animations that put that kept the franchise alive during the film hiatus. during the film hiatus and prodigy is like gearing up like that because if you i did a deep dive into like the background of like a lot of the people the, the 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 makers and the the workers in prodigy, a lot of them come from that that group you know they come from the Clone Wars and the Rebels group because you have like a lot of the voice actors like D Bradley Baker, who is infamous in Star Wars he made the jump to Star uh, Trek Infamous or famous famous yeah. let's say famous and infamous is like Michael Shaaban. Some of Michael infamous yes. <laughs> some of the animators that are working on Prodigy have worked on Rebels. Yeah. And I'm like going this seems like this is Star Trek's answer, hey, we are going to make a series that can carry on the legacy of Star Trek.
1: Yes, and I think ultimately the main goal of the show is for it to bring in newer audience because it's going to air on Paramount plus with the rest of Star Trek, but it will also air later on Nickelodeon. Yes. Which is also owned by Viacom and CBS. So that makes sense. That being said, the goal for this is to create a new generation of Star Trek viewers. Because as I've said, since we started doing this show, Dave, most people realize that Star Trek fans are an aging fan base. They're dying fan base. And up until Star Trek discovery, Uh, became a hit on the interwebs with the younger generation as well. When I say younger, I mean like the 30 something late twenties, we were not restocking the pond. The fish were dying and it was not being restocked. And now with discovery helping with that and Picard bringing back some of those older fans and also bringing back uh, people who have forgotten about Star Trek over the years And then with Prodigy now restocking the pond with a younger audience, that younger audience is very important. And Prodigy Mm -hmm. is a very important project for the Kurtzman era, Star Trek, for the future of Star Trek, for the future of Star Trek. And And I don't feel like a lot of people completely understand that because this series will be what brings in, let's say an eight year old or a 10 year old. They have the potential now of growing up, watching a Star Trek series and then realizing I like this. And now suddenly yeah. you have a permanent Star Trek
0: fan for life. And and honestly, dude, I think the 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 creative choice to get Kate Milgrue as Janeway.
1: Yeah, that's just icing That's on the
0: cake. That's the char- that is the perfect character for this series. If they go the route of what we, we think it is, it's geared to bring in a new audience. The character of Captain Janeway is so much more appealing to newer audiences than say, I hate to say it than Picard because Janeway is kind of like that mother figure. She makes everything comfortable for everybody, you know, because that's what she was like in Voyager. Mm -hmm. And that was the strength of her as the captain. uh, When it comes to the captainship of Star Trek history, So bringing in Kate Moogrew herself and the character of Janeway to this project really shows that they are trying to bring something that is going to go past one season.
1: Yeah. No, Uh, this has to be the foundation of the future of Star Trek. It has to be. Otherwise, there's no
0: reason for this series to exist. I picture like... What would you say? They're, 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 it feels like with Prodigy, they're looking at this long term and thinking a five, seven year season.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now the setting which I definitely like it's a far removed setting in yes. a remote place and they're keeping it a mystery. The idea is that these group of kids stumble upon a Starfleet Starship. Yeah. A Federation Starship. And they assume control of it. That's the idea. And they now travel. And through their travels, they discover the ideologies of of Starfleet, of the Federation. And they fall in love with this idea. And as the series progresses, you see them on their own through being trained via Janeway's hologram. They are trained in the ways of Starfleet, and they start to understand what it means to be a part of Starfleet yes. and the Federation. That was the only thing that kept me from being completely sold on the series before this. Was we were getting another show that was allegedly Star Trek, but not really Star Trek. I'm talking about Picard season one. There was just nothing that really echoed Star Trek, in my opinion, except you had Patrick Stewart playing Picard yes the fact that you have Starfleet being front and center and it represents in fact they said this numerous times during the Star Trek Day panel optimism the showrunners the actors said prodigy represents Star Trek to its fullest in the ways of optimism and the fact that this is written through a kid's perspective an outsider's perspective. That's what's interesting. Not just a kid's perspective, but an outsider's perspective. Someone who's not in the know in the ways of the Federation. And yet you see them learn what it actually means to be a part of the Federation. And it's something that they long for. That they, they connect with. So the fact that you have that outsider perspective, I think, is a very strong uh, perspective within the writing that will help bring in new audiences. It's what I always say and I hate crossing streams like you do all the time. It was one of the best things about star Wars force awakens with the inclusion of the new cast. The fact that Ray and Finn represented the new audiences of star Wars introducing new people and through their eyes, they're introduced into this world of spectacle and awe, which is the world of star Wars. And I have a feeling that's what they're doing with prodigy. When they mentioned an outsider's perspective, I have a feeling that this show will be a starting point for new Star Trek fans, specifically kids, kids who never have watched Star Trek. They now can, through the eyes of our cast, discover what Star Trek is all about. Oh, yeah. And that's exciting. I really like the plans. And that is something I always talk about on a lot of our shows, Dave, is that when I, when I, when I, when I watch panels or go to conventions... Or on it, little studio dog. Now she's <laughs> chewing equipment. Hey, go. <laughs> Apparently. Poor dog. She's bored. Um, what was I saying? Oh, Star Trek conventions and conventions in general. What do I always say? I want to hear about the mechanics of yes. what you're doing. But listen, I like the actors and they're fun sometimes if they have a sense of humor, if they know how to, you know, have a good time. But for the most part, I want to hear from uh, the mechanics. I want to hear from the people working on the project, their thoughts from the writing room. What what, are, what were their strategies? And that's why the Prodigy panel was one of my favorite panels of the entire night.
0: Oh, yeah, especially since we got to actually hear from producers, Kevin, uh, I think it's Hagman and Dan Hagman. Yeah. Their insight on what their show is all about was really important. And I thought that it was... Starting off Star Trek Day with Prodigy and them explaining explaining their concept and what Prodigy is supposed to mean was vital Yeah, to kind of set the tone for everyone watching and show, hey, Star Trek's here for the long haul.
1: And another thing, Dave, the fact that the showrunners were there expressing their thoughts on Star Trek, they got it all right. Yeah. They did their research. It wasn't like, I, I don't want to. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. It's <laughs> not like Michael Chabon who's, intervie- <laughs> who's interviewed and they ask him about Star Trek, Picard and what it's about and he can't explain it. He's like, well, it's about a man who, uh, you know. Oh, that was Kurtzman. Uh, no, it was both of them. It was the two fucking puppeteers. True. <laughs> <So> stupid. <laughs> you know, when you can't answer what a show is about and your, your way of explaining what a show is about is by going through plot points, that means you shouldn't be writing. Because that's not what a show is about. A show is never about the plot points. That's the plot. Yeah. That's how you're transporting the idea of a show. And the fact that these guys were able to explain their show without giving away really no plot details. And yet you walk away understanding what this series is about is amazing. And that is why I am 100% excited about Star Trek Prodigy when I really wasn't.
0: Oh, yeah. And like basically like when you get down to it, I'm actually fairly comfortable with the Hagmans as showrunners. Essentially, that's who, who they are. They're the showrunners yeah. of the show. Yeah. But they're in safe hands. Like I like they're the good fact hands like all state. They're, they're in good hands. And yeah. I, I do like the fact that hearing them talk also kind of exuded like this sense of excitement like it was like very infectious like the way they were yeah. talking it they was they were they were in love with the idea they were in love with the idea that they're now
1: a part of star trek they
0: were passionate about it and it, it even goes down to i didn't even know the actor who was i I'm guessing he's the main lead of the show is Brett Grey who plays yeah. dull yeah and he's actually very charismatic he was and honestly i think the kid can actually carry carry the show he has a good cast of characters and good voice actors behind him to carry him on in the show. And it'll be, it'll be amazing if they can make this character last long.
1: I think this is going to be a surprise hit for a lot of
0: Star Trek fans. I'm hoping. I really, I really do. Am. And that's the thing I walked away with, with um, Prodigy the most out of all the panels. Prodigy gave me the most hope for Star Trek. Because I'm like okay, this is it's in good hands. We know that these people are passionate about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's not like blowing smoke up yeah. the fans' butts yeah. because unfortunately, some of the panels it was just the it was just a blow fest,
1: yeah <laughs> and- yeah, and I don't want to get into that there There were some negatives. it's like this it's the same topics on repeat, like it's like they have like a bag of vocabulary words. Yes, that are new and trendy on social media, and they just throw those out a few times.
0: But if you notice, like the the best panels yeah. were the ones where we genuinely felt the excitement of the cast and crew. Yeah, you know, like Prodigy started off well, and Lower Decks was fa- freaking
1: fantastic. Yeah,
0: and, and we'll get to Lower Decks in a
1: second, but we're running out of time, Dave. So let's talk about Strange New Worlds. Okay, so this was the the I want to say this was probably the. The news that really took, took the Star Trek interwebs by storm, I would say even more so than Picard season two trailer. No, I, I 100% agree. Strange so. New Worlds, Dave, has the opportunity here to be the Star Trek show of the modern eight. Absolutely. And what I mean by that, and I'm not putting down any other Star Trek shows. No, no, no. Go I, ahead. I, I, go ahead. No, no, no. I, <laughs> Discovery is amazing. It, it, it fucks up a bit. But for the most part, I love Discovery. So I'm not going to pit them against each other. But this has the the opportunity to bridge the different fans together. This is the show that can bridge the Discovery fans and the old fans together. Yeah. And, and unite the fandom. Because this show, as the way and the way they explain it, is everything we are used to when it comes to Star Trek and more.
0: And more. Because
1: honestly, we don't want to see the same thing. We don't. No. we don't. We want new stuff. I'm not one of those fans that want you know 25 seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. Believe me, I don't. But this is the show where you can go back to the show's roots. And really use a familiar format. And at the same time, use modern television techniques to return to a similar format that's also slightly different so you have the idea of episodic television okay and if people don't know what that is that's basically classic tv uh classic star trek to be more specific and give you a better example you have self-contained episodes you don't have a continuous to be continued serial essentially which is what all tv is for the most part nowadays if you're watching hbo netflix amazon hulu even even some network TV shows now it's serialized television. You have ongoing episodes; they're not self-contained. Now, my problem with episodic television is many times you lose sight of character continuity. You lose sight of true characterization because every week's a new episode, and you can have a loved one of a character die, and then the next episode they're fine. They're fine. They never mention the loved one because they've moved on. And that, to me, just always felt very naive and immature, even in the old days of writing. TV, it always bothered me in the 90s, especially when I when I grew up watching a lot of TV. It was my problem with the original series, especially with the greatest episode of all time, the city on the edge of forever. forever. You know, Picard lost a woman he was deeply in love with. I loved her. And then the next episode, he's fine, never brings her up. Never talks about her. She has no bearing on his characterization or his development as a character moving forward. That was always my that's my problem with episodic television. Now yeah. what, what Kurtzman has said is that this will be just like that, except there will be character continuity.
0: Character because not only is it the characters, but it's the relationships. Yes. And when he mentioned that, I absolutely got on board with Akiva Goldsman as the showrunner. I like what because, he was saying. because Akiva Goldsman treated that panel like an old school television, television how a show how a producer would approach a television back in that day. You know, episodic television was supposed to be week to week. You know, mm. there's always a surprise coming in the week. But the difference that he's going to be approaching it with is the relationships. He's still going to f- remember that we're we're a different audience nowadays than than back then for episodic television because back then we could shake it off. You you know audiences back then would just overlook it. Now audiences look deeper and deeper into their series because of the quality of writing and the quality of production. So Akiva Goldsman is actually coming into that the series now with an old school mentality but with the knowledge of a new new way of thinking.
1: Yeah. I I am completely on board with strange new worlds. And I, I, I think all of us were, especially since I think most of our listeners and you and I, Dave, can all agree that Star Trek Discovery Season 2 is probably the greatest of, of the new Star Treks to date. And a lot of it has to do with this, the amazing balancing act within that writing room when it came to all of those characters, when it came to Burnham's story, when it came to... Saru's story when it came to Tilly's story when it came to Pike and Spock and how they just just meshed everything together having a continuation of the pilot episode as a part two yep. I mean showing Pike's fate season two was amazing so now you're taking all some of that amazingness the ingredients to the amazingness of season two of Discovery and using that now mixing it with a little bit of the original series and suddenly we have this TV show. They have to want to suck. For this not to be done, yeah. In my opinion. Because and
0: everything is there. Everything is right there. And it got me so excited even more so. Seeing the cast. And while yes. Bringing in the old school characters. Like Ubanga and uh, Nurse Chapel. Oh come on Dave. And- That's spoilers. <laughs> well people who have saw the trailer. Yeah. We should know. Basically is fantastic. But. Well, let's, Then you bring in well, hold other on. characters. Let, let's
1: get into that. Let's go through this new list. Okay. So. During Star Trek Day. They did release a. I want to say it was a character trailer. It wasn't really a trailer. It, was did, a it didn't show anything. To, yeah it was a cast trailer. Which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. And they introduced a few faces. They First off they said that we're getting legacy characters. Which immediately made me excited. And a little nervous. Yes, Because that just makes me nervous. First one up is we are getting a new version of Uhura, and she will be a cadet, which I think is awesome. We also, as you mentioned, are getting uh, Nurse Christine Chapel, yes, which was played by Gene Roddenberry's wife, Michelle Barrett, yes, in the original series, which I think is pretty cool because we're getting two. Because Michelle Maj- is it Michelle? Michelle, yeah, is it Michelle Maj- or Michelle? I, I believe it's Michelle. I'm gonna up it up, and just say Michelle. And if it's not, then I'm just ignorant. Uh, Michelle Barrett. I, I then pronounced it different again. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Roddenberry's wife played two roles in Star Trek. Yeah, actually three, actually four roles because she, oh yeah, she was the computer's voice. She
0: was the computer's voice. She was also
1: Deanna Troy's wife in TNG. But yeah. before that, she played. did I say Deanna Troy's wife. Deanna Troy's mother. Deanna Troy's mother. <laughs> that might be kind of hot, though. <laughs> uh, you could tell it's getting very late here. She played Deanna Troy's mother. She played the computer on every single Star Trek during the 90s and early 2000s. She played Nurse Chapel in the original series. And she played Una, number one, number in the one. pilot in the original series. So I think it's pretty fucking cool that both of Barrett's roles or characters are now going to actually be included in Strange New Worlds.
0: Yeah, they're not going to disappear randomly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of characters just evaporate. Just evaporated. Days. Yeah.
1: We're also getting, as you mentioned, Dr.
0: Mbenga. Yeah, Ubanga. which he, is fantastic. Now, he was the doctor in the pilot. In the pilot. He, okay. he was the first... He's the first doctor of the Enterprise with Pike. Yeah.
1: Now, the biggest one... I wouldn't really call this a legacy, but this is the character connected to a legacy. And it, this it, is it blew my mind if I had the camera on when this was announced, I probably you probably would have seen my mouth completely just drop. Drop. Yeah. So a new character that's a part of Starfleet is Lan Laan Nunyan La'an. Singh. Now that's that's the same last name as <laughs> the one and only Khan. Khan. Now, a lot of people were like, well, how's that going to work? Who is she? <laughs> she can't be his daughter because uh, he's been in cryo freeze yeah. or suspended animation for countless decades at this point. So she is obviously a distant relative and Khan is some distant a, ancestor, a I'm a assuming. A
0: distant uh, distant,
1: uh Descendant. Yes, because Khan cannot appear in this. There's no way he can appear because he doesn't make his appearance and he's not released from his suspended animation until season one of the original series, which is still about eight to 12 years away from this time period that Strange New Worlds takes place. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that character and how they draw those connections. I think we're in safe area here. I don't think there's gonna be any issues of continuity. I mean, she—it's very easily. She's a she's an ancestor or a, a relative, a distant a de- relative, a, a descendant. Descendant—that's the a word descendant. I'm looking for. Thank you, David, for being here to help help me from being an idiot tonight. <laughs> I'm like uh, an
0: ancestor. Nope, that's not right. Well, the thing is, like, uh, they're they're definitely on thin ice with that because if you are connecting a sing to the Enterprise crew, then. My question would be: Wouldn't Spock then know about the things sooner?
1: Yeah uh, well, how? Why would he though? Uh, no, that's a good point. I think what we're learning, Dave, is Spock is uh, is not very forthcoming with knowledge. <laughs> oh no, because he never told anyone about Burnham. Yes, he never told anyone about Cybok.
0: Yeah, um, that's true. So, well, it's hilarious. He's very good at
1: keeping secrets. So, if you need a friend that keeps secrets, he's the
0: one. It's hilarious (laughs) because you mentioned that because I watched, I think it was um, The Final Frontier. Yeah. Where Spock. Yeah, Yeah, Kirk and McCoy both confront him and say, there's a lot of stuff you have not told us about your past. And then Spock just nonchalantly goes, well, you never
1: asked. And you know what? That's (laughs) such a fucking Vulcan statement. It's a douchebag But you know what? It fucking works. It It actually, no matter how many Star Trek fans want to get mad about the Burnham being the sister, you know, like a, a stepsister type thing. Yeah, listen. It Kurt acts, never asked. It it kind of works. I mean, Vol- uh, Spock isn't really forthcoming with information. I was making a joke, but it's actually true. It's actually kind of canon.
0: It's canon because like we saw it at Final Frontier, and I didn't realize it till I rewatched Final Frontier that you but know a, a lot Spock of people has kept a shit
1: ton of secrets. Yeah, and I do remember when that movie came out, and I, there were people because I, I read Star Trek, uh, Star Trek magazine back in the old days. And the chat in the back, or not the chat, the uh, comments. You know how they would publish people's notes. Oh yeah, there were people that were upset with that. So people were the same back then. They screamed, "Foul ball! Foul ball! (laughs) How does Spock have a brother?" Well, they explained
0: in the movie. They explained in the movie. He was exiled. He was exiled, and also Spock just likes keeping his own personal life to himself unless he's
1: asked. He's a good booty call to have because you can like, if you want to maintain professionalism on board, you know, a starship, but you want that booty call with Spock, you can trust that he's never going to like tell anyone.
0: Oh yeah. Well, think about it, man. I mean, like some of the most classic Star Trek moments, even in the old series, it's always dealing with Spock, keeping something from Kirk, like, Ponfar he didn't tell him about like (laughs) like, oh Vulcans go through this so it does look interesting
1: um, Strange New Worlds one of the highlights for me as well was how they explain Pike and this is something they got into a little bit during Star Trek Discovery Season 2 that they don't really have a lot to go on when when it comes to Pike he's such an important character in the world of Star Trek But there's nothing really to go on. He's almost like a blank slate. You can do, or a blank canvas. You can do pretty much whatever you want with him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they recontextualize what we do know of Pike. And move important pieces around on that board. And really flesh out this character that we've all known for 55 years. But really didn't know if that makes any sense. It's going to be really
0: fun to see what they do. With Captain Pike. Well that is one of the reasons why. When we were watching it. And after the cast thing. I immediately asked you. Uh, if a certain. Other character. Do you think they will actually bring him in. Which is one? Kirk. Um, I mean if you wanted to do a story. Of Pike. yeah, You have, you have to throw Kirk in. Because Kirk was chosen by Pike. It's going to happen and And on top of that, so maybe not already, this coming season, but it's only a matter of time It's only a matter of time yeah. now because especially since they they just opened the forbidden door of actually bringing in Uhura at this point as a cadet, what about the other crew? so does that mean my brain immediately just jumped to the front of the line and basically said, "Are we going to see Kirk? I think we're going to see
1: a lot of different things if if we go with if you remember the, the way Star Trek Day started was with Kartsman talking about things, and he mentioned an upcoming series that has been rumored, and, he, and if for him to even mention it means that it's more than just rumored, I guess, but they have been mulling the idea of a Starfleet Academy yes. series, which we've heard that now for a while. I mean, that would be a perfect way to start Kirk. Have Kirk be in that show. show? And then move him to Strange New Worlds. And then all of a sudden we have you know, Kirk on the Enterprise. So it could work. It's very easy to see how those parts can move. I'm not anxious to see that, to be completely honest. Starfleet Academy? No, no. um, Just having Kirk. I I don't think it's needed. We have a lot on our plates when it comes to Star Trek fans. And to throw Kirk in would just feel like... It would feel too gimmicky. Well, dude, I mean, there's, just no, like, there's no,
0: point. Just like what you said, we have six shows of Star Trek yeah. <laughs> coming up. Now we do need to close out today's show, but
1: first I do want to mention the other element that was discussed during Star Trek Day, Strange New Worlds panel, and that's Spock's emotions. And people may scratch their heads and make like, Spock's emotions. Yes, he does have them and he yeah. did have them. Uh, not. In the original series necessarily, but in the pilot, yes, which was never intended to be canon, but over the course of decades, it has slowly become canon. And now we have to deal with that sore thumb, which is Spock laughing, Spock smiling. In fact, they did do a little bit of that groundwork already in Discovery Season 2. They mentioned that he, uh, I want to say they said, and I'm paraphrasing here, something about he's still working on controlling his array of emotions. Yes. Because people that may not be in the know, Falcons do have emotions. They just repress them. Yes. They, they, uh, they control them. They control them. So that's going to be actually a big element and a big part of Spock's story in this show is his emotional, is the emotional side, meaning how did we get from Star Trek: The Original Series and the movie Spock, or I should say, how did we get from Smiling Spock? Yeah, the the uh, is this making sense? Let me. Like, there's too many timelines here. Timelines. How how the pilot? Wait, here We're we
0: go. going from how, the pilot.
1: Yes. How are they going to reconcile the pilot and what they did with Spock with the rest of Star Trek moving? past that point. Yes. And that's what they're going to do with his story. They're going to flesh out that aspect. And I I was actually really happy to hear that. Yeah. Because that's not only something that I feel is needed to fix some issues of continuity, but also that's a good story. Oh, it is. That's an interesting story.
0: Well, dude, I mean, even at the end of Discovery season 2, the story of Spock became so much more interesting to me because like you laid the groundwork of I don't want to use this word for what Spock and his emotional state after season two was, but it was traumatic. He lost his sister. He had to say goodbye to his sister, never to see her again. And you knew uh, at the end of season two, you realize that he wasn't the same person after that. No, he
1: wasn't. And that's another thing that they can do. That's a great point, Dave. That's another thing that they could add to his development as a character and really work through that aspect. And maybe that will actually be connected to his, or I should say the emotional aspect. The emotional aspect. Dealing with the loss of his sister, the person that he was connected with. So there's a lot of things to digest. We didn't get through a lot of, as much as I would like. We we stuck on a three three big points. Yes. Um, we will continue this discussion of Star Trek Day on our Patreon show. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you will have access to that at the same time as this is released on demand. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, you can head over to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital and pledge $5 or more a month, and you'll gain access to not just the second part of this discussion, but I want to say thousands of hours of additional Star Trek discussions, ranging from topics on the philosophy of Star Trek, uh, discussions on the Borg. To, we do it all over there. So, patreon.com slash Digital pledge. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank
0: you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.